Hey everybody, welcome to Props and Hops. I'm Matt Landis, and in this episode, we'll work through the NFL Week 7 board through the lens of the best football gambling podcasts. We'll also talk some beer and break down some bets, so to kick it off, let's dive into what we're hearing. Loud noises! This week, I've listened to about nine and a half hours worth of the most prominent bettors across the best NFL betting podcasts, and I'm here to distill that down to about half an hour of the most actionable takeaways. That includes six bets across the point spread, total, teaser, and prop markets, so to get things going, let's run through the Week 7 board, starting with Cleveland at Cincinnati. Current line as I record this Friday morning Pacific time, Browns laying three with some extra vig, total of 50 and a half, and we have two likes on the Browns in this one, TA from the Sharp Angles podcast and Steve Fezzik from the Dream Preview. As far as TA's handicap goes, he sees it as a buy low opportunity on the Browns after an overreaction to last week's loss in Pittsburgh. There's a big matchup swing here for Cleveland, going from a brutal spot against the Steelers to a much more favorable spot against the Bengals. TA notes the Bengals defense ranks 25th in adjusted line yards, meanwhile the Browns offense ranks number two in that category. The Browns offense also ranks number one in explosive runs, while the Bengals have allowed the fifth highest percentage of explosive runs. And Cincinnati, for good measure, going to be missing its two best run stoppers on the defensive line according to Pro Football Focus. PFF says the Bengals won't have a single defensive lineman in its top 100 when it comes to stopping the run. Looking at Cleveland's offense through the air, Baker Mayfield much better from a clean pocket than under pressure. TA tweeted that Mayfield's going from the number one defense last week to the number 31 defense this week when it comes to pressure rate. We heard similar points from Fezzik on the Dream Preview as well as on the Deep Dive podcast. On the other side of the ball, the Bengals like to use a short passing game and the Browns get cornerback Kevin Johnson back. He ranks 10th in QBR out of the slot this season, and the Browns also get safety Ronnie Harrison back from a concussion. That gives them an upgraded safety over what they worked with last week against the Steelers. Looking at Fezzik's handicap, he notes the Week 2 line was minus 6 in Cleveland. If we flip what little home field advantage there is this season, that implies the current line's about correct, but that Week 2 matchup was pretty misleading with the Cincinnati cover. The Browns absolutely dominated that one. Cleveland hasn't been as dominant rushing the last couple weeks, partly due to not having Nick Chubb, partly due to facing good rush defenses in the Colts and the Steelers, and the Bengals give the Browns a big step down in class. They should see more success on the ground this week than they have the past couple. TA also made a similar point in his breakdown of this game. And lastly, for good measure here on the Deep Dive podcast with Andy Molitor and Drew Dinsick, also known as the Whale Capper, the secret podcast play was the Cleveland team total over 26 and a half. Quick note, we did get some news this morning that Joe Mixon's been ruled out of this one for the Bengals. I expect that to lead to some Browns money in the marketplace, and I like Cleveland up to minus three at minus 125, or laying three and a half at minus 105 or better. Up next, Dallas at Washington, currently lined at Pickham, total 45, and on the Dream Preview, Matthew Holt was on the Cowboys. He said their defense isn't good, but it's not as bad as it's made out to be. The offense has been putting them in some pretty tough spots with a lot of turnovers. That's meant more points allowed than the defense's true talent reflects. And we might see that come into play this Sunday because Washington ranks dead last in the NFL averaging only 4.3 yards per play on offense. And on the simple handicap, Adam Chernoff also indicated a strong lean to the Cowboys. He noted the biggest market angle in this one seems to be a matchup of the Washington defensive line going to that Dallas beat-up offensive line, 
but he noted Washington's faced the ninth easiest schedule of opposition, and they've only generated a league average pressure rate. Meanwhile, they've been below average when it comes to EPA against the pass and the rush. On Wednesday, Adams seemed pretty firmly on the Cowboys' side. He backed off of that a little bit on Thursday due to some injury news surrounding the offensive line, and we now know Zach Martin won't be going in this one. That said, I agree with Adams' point here. The Cowboys' offensive line is beat up, and it deserves to be questioned, but we should also probably question some of our assumptions about just how good the Washington front seven has been this season. I also think the look ahead of Cowboys minus three has seen a major adjustment here. It's similar to what we saw with the Rams and 49ers last week, albeit on a slightly smaller scale. That tells me there's only one side to look at in this game. The Cowboys closed minus one against the Cardinals on Monday Night Football, flipping home field here for Washington. This line implies Washington's almost as good as the Cardinals, and I think the Cardinals would be favored by a touchdown, if not more, on a neutral field in that matchup. So I only think there could be value on Dallas here. I'm getting really close to betting the Cowboys. It's coming down to a matter of who's still standing along that offensive line. Next game on the board, Detroit at Atlanta, current line Falcons minus two, total 55, and we have two bets on the lines against the spread here. Those came from Fezzik and Ross Tucker on the Even Money podcast. Two more bets on the Lions in a teaser. Those came from Fezzik also on the Even Money podcast, as well as Drew on the Matchbook podcast, and even more Detroit support, Suma on the Lions on the Money Line. That was his best bet on the Matchbook podcast, plus Andy and Drew on the Deep Dive podcast, a variety of ways they're looking to get in play on the Lions. We also had a couple bets on the total here going head-to-head, Andy and Drew on the deep dive, like the under, Fezzik on the dream preview, likes the over. Looking at the support for the Lions against the spread here on the Even Money podcast with Ross and Steve Fezzik, they got Detroit at plus two and a half, so the Lions moved slightly in their favor, not a significant tick down to two, and Ross liked the Lions because he thinks the Falcons will be flat after an interim coach boost, as he called it in last week's first game since firing Dan Quinn. Fezzik agreed with that point. Fezzik also said he likes Detroit in a teaser, taking them up through 3-7 and seven and pairing them with the Chargers. On the Matchbook podcast, Drew said he's also teasing the Lions. He's pairing them with San Francisco, again teasing through that key corridor of 3-7 through seven, following the Stanford-Wong model. And on the Matchbook podcast, Suma also made his best bet, Lions on the money line, and the range of plus 115. He likes that because he thinks Detroit should be favored to win this game. On the deep dive, it was a grab bag of support for Detroit. Andy and Drew mentioning the plus two, the money line, and or some teasers. They also said they like the under. A big part of their look toward Detroit is the season-long numbers not reflecting the true form for the offense. Kenny Galladay's gotten healthier. DeAndre Swift is emerging. And on the defense, rookie Jeff Okuda is also improving. I don't recall hearing much on the under, but they made a decent case for the Lions side of things. On the dream preview, Fezzik broke down the over with a similar handicap to the deep dive support of Detroit, namely the offense offense is in better form right now than the season-long numbers would indicate, and Fezzik also likes that Atlanta stayed a lot more aggressive over the course of the whole game last week than they did throughout much of Quinn's tenure, and Atlanta could still be scoring if they have a lead late in this one that lands him on the over. Up next, Carolina at New Orleans. Saints laying a touchdown with extra vig or 7.5 with reduced vig, total of 51. And we had four bets on the Panthers here. Those came from Drew, Fezzik, Ross, and Matthew Holt. We also had two bets on the Saints as part of a teaser, Andy on the deep dive and Adam Turnoff on the symbol handicap. On the Matchbook podcast, Drew laid out a strong case for Carolina, plus 7.5. His first point was Carolina offensive coordinator Joe Brady doing a great job coaching up this team. Fezzik made a similar point in his breakdown. And Drew continued that the offense is in this game surprisingly comparable he has them both slightly above average and Suma pushed back a little bit on this point noting the Saints have been without Michael Thomas they get him back this week although now that's a bit up in the air depending on Thomas's condition after tweaking a hamstring in practice this week Drew continued on saying the New Orleans defense 
underachieving, especially against the pass. They're bottom five when it comes to expected points added per dropback. RJ brought up a similar point on the Dream Preview. And wrapping up Drew's handicap in this one, he said a lot of it comes down to how you look at priors. If you assign less weight to priors, you'll probably lean more toward the Panthers. If you give them more weight, that's probably going to have you on the Saints. Drew said another part of why he'll be rooting for Carolina in this one is looking ahead to the Saints at the Bears next week. Current line, New Orleans minus two and a half, and he hopes the Saints aren't too impressive so we can get down on the Saints at that number for week eight. On the Dream Preview and on Even Money, Fezzik said he was on the Panthers plus 7.5. Ross agreed with him on Even Money. Matthew Holt agreed with him on the Dream Preview. Holt also said he's on the under. Looking at Fezzik's handicap for Carolina, he said it's a power ratings play. He makes this game only 5.5, so there's some value there. And Holt's handicap, the Saints trending down, Panthers trending up. He has the Panthers as a slightly above average team. As far as the under goes, I don't recall Holt mentioning too much for the handicap there. On the deep dive, Andy said he's not eager to go head-to-head against the Carolina handicap, but he does like the Saints as a teaser candidate. Adam made a similar point on the simple handicap this morning, and I agree with Andy and Adam. I'm not eager to buck the consensus and lay all these points with the Saints, but I like putting the math to work and including New Orleans in this week's teaser portfolio. Next game on the board, Buffalo with the Jets, Bills laying 11.5, total 46, and on the Dream Preview, Matthew Holt said he likes the Jets at plus 13. Obviously, the lines come down a bit since they recorded, but 13's not a key number. Presumably, he's still good with 11.5, maybe for a slightly reduced amount. Holt's handicap noted Buffalo thin in the secondary, allowing a lot of teams back into games in the second half this season, and he sees this as an over-adjustment from the Week 1 line when the Bills were laying 6.5 at home to the Jets. RJ mentioned he likes a correlated parlay in this one, the Jets in the under, and Fezzik agrees with him. RJ's handicap came down to a trend, winless team straight up and against the spread after at least six games, 27-15 and 15 against the spread in their next game. In those same games, RJ mentioned there have been 30 unders and only 15 overs, and I noticed 42 results here when looking at results against the spread, 45 results when we look at totals, so maybe this trend also includes three pushes on the side. Up next, Green Bay at Houston. Packers laying three and a half, total of 57. And on the Sharp Angles podcast, TA said he likes the over in this one. He posted on Twitter when he got this at 56 earlier in the week, but he's still okay with 57 because he thinks we see 60 plus points in this one. To kick off his handicap, the game's going to be played in a dome, so we don't have any weather concerns. And for the Packers, it's a big step down in class from the Tampa Bay defense they matched up against last week. Speaking of matching up, a lot of matchups pointing to a lot of points in this one. TA notes Green Bay's run game, second in success rate against Houston's 28th ranked rush defense. The Packers also have the fifth highest explosive run percentage, going into a Texans defense that's allowed the third most explosive runs, and Green Bay's offense, seventh in adjusted line yards against the Texans defense that ranks last in the league in that category. When the Packers are passing the ball, they should also see success. Green Bay ranks third in success rate passing, going against Houston's 29th ranked pass defense. TA also calls out Houston's only ranked 25th when it comes to pressure rate, and Aaron Rodgers, the third best quarterback in the NFL from a clean pocket. We should also see Green Bay dominate up front, with the Packers' offensive line marking a big step up in class for the Houston defense. Looking at Houston's offense, Deshaun Watson's number two in explosive pass percentage, and the Packers have some pretty good defensive stats so far this season, but TA says that's been skewed by a weak schedule, plus some good fortune dodging star wide receivers such as Kenny Galladay, Michael Thomas, and for the most part, Julio Jones. And I think we could see that come to fruition with both of Houston's top wide receivers looking healthy this week. 
TA also notes Green Bay's defense ranks 30th in pressure rate, and Deshaun Watson, the fourth best quarterback in the league from a clean pocket. To put a bow on this one, TA also notes these defenses rank 28th and 30th in the league in missed tackles. So I'm inclined to agree with him here. This is a high total, but I think it would be even higher if Green Bay didn't quit last week in Tampa Bay. I think we see a better effort from the Packers, as well as a strong effort from the Texans in this game. Final game of the early window on Sunday, and it might be the best one of all, Pittsburgh at Tennessee, Titans laying one or one and a half, total 50 and a half or 51. We had two bets on the Steelers, those came from Fezzik and Matthew Holt on the Dream Preview, and three bets on the over, those came from Drew and Zuma on the Matchbook Podcast, along with Andy on the Deep Dive. Looking at the side here on the Dream Preview, Fezzik and Holt on Pittsburgh, Fezzik's handicap, Tennessee's overrated. Yeah, they're 5-0, but they have four close wins over teams with poor records, and from a power ratings perspective, Fezzik makes the Steelers three points better. When we factor in reduced home field advantage this season, that means the Steelers should be favored. RJ noted during Fezzik's handicap that he'd be interested in either team in a teaser in this one. Fezzik agrees with that logic, and so do I. Holt added that Tennessee's got an unsustainable winning streak with a poor defense, and the Steelers have a subtle edge here. They practiced for the Titans in Week 4 before that game got postponed due to the Titans' COVID outbreak, so there's a preparation edge for Pittsburgh. Looking at the total, Drew and Suma had pretty complimentary handicaps, over 51.5 on the Matchbook podcast. The line has moved against them since they recorded, but here's the case they laid out. Drew said Tennessee's defense got exposed last week against Houston because it couldn't get pressure. The Titans have issues against quarterbacks with diverse weapons in the pass game. The Steelers definitely fit that mold, with Suma adding this will be the Steelers' first week with Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, and Juju Smith-Schuster all starting at wide receiver. Drew adds Pittsburgh's defense without standout linebacker Devin Bush, and the Steelers' pass defense has put up some pretty good stats, but that's come against weak opposition. This marks a step up in class. Suma agreed with that point, and Drew added that Tennessee offensive coordinator Arthur Smith maximizing every bit of talent that Ryan Tannehill has. And as far as the Titans' offense goes, Suma added they'll get Corey Davis back. He's pro football focus's 11th graded wide receiver this season, giving Tannehill his full arsenal of weapons for the first time in a while. And one more note on the over, Andy landed on the same side as Drew and Suma on the Deep Dive podcast. He said he likes this to go over because of two efficient offenses going toe-to-toe. But on the Matchbook podcast, Drew and Suma did voice some concerns about the total. Chief among them, Tennessee might approach this one with a run-heavy scheme looking to keep the Pittsburgh offense off the field. And on the simple handicap, Adam also noted cornerback Adoree Jackson back in action for the Titans. That's a big boost for their defense. And TA flagged a concern if you're looking at the over. The Titans without left tackle Taylor Lewan, that could loom large against a Steelers defensive front that can get a lot of pressure on the quarterback. One more note from TA on this one, the Steelers offense due for some third down regression. So Drew and Zuma made some good points in favor of the over, but there are also some compelling counterpoints indicating the game could go under. Moving on to the late window on Sunday, Tampa Bay at Las Vegas, tentatively scheduled to be the first game in that late window, currently off the board due to the Raiders' COVID situation. I will say on the Matchbook podcast, there was a really good back and forth between Suma on the Bucks and Drew on the Raiders. They recorded before we knew about the Raiders' COVID situation, but I'd still recommend listening to hear some good, albeit quite different perspectives when it comes to evaluating Tom Brady and Derek Carr. Up next, San Francisco at New England, Patriots minus two, total 44. We have two bets on the under. Those came from Fezzik and the Hitman on the Dream Preview. One bet on New England from RJ on the Dream Preview. And four bets with the Niners tied to teasers. Those came from Ross and Fezzik on the Even Money podcast, Drew on the Matchbook podcast, and Adam on the Simple Handicap. On the Dream Preview, looking at Fezzik and the Hitman on the under 44. 
Fezzik's handicap, New England's defense has an advantage with Bill Belichick knowing Jimmy G's weaknesses. Look for the Patriots to exploit them. The hitman agreed with that angle. Fezzik also said when the Patriots have the ball, their offensive line speed up, they're struggling to protect Cam Newton, and overall, they could really struggle to move the ball. Breaking down the hitman's handicap, he gave out 45 and a half on the show. That's a good number, but it's been gone since Tuesday afternoon. He did say he likes it down to 44. When the Niners have the ball, it's a dink and dunk offense, and health is a concern. Jimmy G still less than 100% quite possibly, plus the Niners dealing with some injuries along their offensive line and in their backfield. When the Patriots have the ball, they lack explosiveness, they lack the wide receivers to expose the 49ers' weakness at cornerback, kind of like we saw the Rams struggle to fully exploit a banged-up Niners defense last week. RJ weighed in, saying he likes New England to cover the short spread. The look-ahead opener was New England minus 5.5. Even if we upgrade the 49ers by a point last week, he says this line should be 4.5. I question that logic a bit because we should also downgrade the Patriots off their home loss to the Broncos. And RJ did say New England's offensive line injuries could be a concern for the side in this one. On the Even Money podcast, Ross and Fezzik said that they're teasing San Francisco with the Chargers. I like the logic there. 49ers-Patriots has the lowest total left on the Week 7 board. That magnifies the value of each point we get, teasing the 49ers up through the key numbers of 3 and 7. And the Chargers, we'll get to them in a bit, but they're the superior team at home off a bye, needing little more than an outright win against a bad Jacksonville team. On the Matchbook podcast, Drew is also teasing the 49ers. They'll be his second leg in a teaser tied with Detroit, both of those legs following the Stanford Wong model, crossing through 3 and 7. Next up, Kansas City at Denver, Chiefs laying 9.5 or 10 with reduced VIG, total 45.5, and And on the Dream Preview, Dave Esler's on the Broncos plus 9.5, Fezzik's on the Chiefs and the under. Esler's Denver handicap basically boils down to respectable losses against good teams. He also thinks the Chiefs, coming in on short rest, will be especially susceptible to their run. And Fezzik liking the Chiefs, RJ hit the green button going with the Broncos and siding with Dave Esler. RJ and Fezzik's crossfire largely boiled down to how motivated they expect the Chiefs to be this weekend. As far as the under goes, Fezzik said Drew Locke has only played in one snow game so far in his career, and he played very poorly. That might be on the table again this Sunday. But on the simple handicap, Adam implied a strong lean to the over. He sees an overreaction to the forecast. This total opened at 48.5, and and it's come down a full field goal. Yeah, it's going to be cold. Yeah, it's going to be snowing. But it should be light snow and temperatures of about 20 degrees like we should see in Denver on Sunday. Not enough to really derail offenses. Plus, the wind, which can really be the kryptonite for an offense, not looking like much of a factor. Next game on the board, Jacksonville at the Chargers. Chargers laying 7.5 with reduced VIG, total 49. We had one like on the Chargers, that was Fezzik on the Dream Preview. Three likes on the Chargers in a teaser, those came from Fezzik and Ross on the Even Money podcast, plus Andy on the Deep Dive. And one like on the Under, that came from Drew on the Matchbook podcast. On the Dream Preview, Fezzik's breakdown for the Chargers, minus 8 at the time they recorded. Not a whole lot behind it. He's low on the Chargers, but even lower on Jacksonville, especially that Jaguars defense. On the Even Money podcast, Fezzik and Ross used the Chargers as that second leg in a teaser tied to the 49ers. Fezzik's also teasing the Chargers with the Lions based on his picks in the Even Money podcast. And on the Deep Dive, Andy's teasing the Chargers with the Saints. On the Matchbook podcast, Drew made a case for the under. It was 49.5 earlier in the week, but he still likes it at 49. He said SoFi Stadium might have a slow surface. The games there have been going way under, and he pushed back on this notion when they talked about it on the deep dive, and he noted it's a really small sample. We're not sure there's a logical reason for these numbers yet. Some logic that could work in Drew's favor for the under. The Chargers coming in off their bye. That means Joey Bosa should be healthier, and Melvin Ingram looking like he might return from IR. 
Moving on to Sunday Night Football, Seattle at Arizona. Seahawks laying three with extra vig or three and a half with reduced vig, total 56. And we had some dissent on this one. Two likes on Arizona, Fezzik on the Dream Preview on Even Money, along with Ross on Even Money. Two likes on Seattle, Matthew Holt on the Dream Preview, Andy on the Deep Dive, and one like on the under, Drew on the Matchbook and Deep Dive podcasts. Looking at the Arizona side, on the Dream Preview, Fezzik made Arizona plus three and a half his best bet. He's fading Seattle. They're 4-0 in one-score games. They have the easiest strength of schedule so far in the NFL. That was a big point behind the even money handicaps for Fezzik and Ross as well. And on the Dream Preview, Fezzik continued that in his power ratings, including home field advantage, this line should only be Seattle minus a half or pick him with some extra vig. That leaves a full field goal of value on the Cardinals if you can get them at three and a half. RJ joined the discussion here. He and Fezzik noting that the Seahawks are due for some serious red zone regression. They're number one by a mile so far with an 89% touchdown rate. Arizona's number two in the league, but they're at 80%, and that gap between Seattle and Arizona is greater than the gap between Arizona and the number eight team in red zone efficiency so far this season. RJ and Fezzik also discussed how Seattle's defense is a liability. Football Outsiders ranks them 26th defensively, and if you take the weighted average of an elite offense with a pretty porous defense, you have a slightly above average team overall, but the Seahawks are being priced like they're elite. On the Dream Preview, Matthew Holt weighed in with Seattle minus 3.5, noting Arizona runs an atypical scheme on offense with Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, and the Seahawks have some familiarity with that scheme as a division opponent getting their third look at Kingsbury and Murray this weekend, plus Seattle gets extra prep off its bye against the Cardinals coming in off a short week after facing the Cowboys on Monday Night Football. On the deep dive, Andy also on the Seahawks minus 3.5. He simply isn't upgrading the Cardinals from that Monday Night Football performance. He didn't think they looked as good as the 38-10 to 10 score would indicate. On the Matchbook and Deep Dive podcast, Drew made a case for the under 56. He said the Seahawks have faced weak opposing pass defenses. The Cardinals will represent a step up in class. And when Arizona has the ball, look for them to use Kyler Murray on the ground, keep the clock running to play keep away from Russell Wilson in that Seahawks offense. And finally, Monday Night Football, Chicago at the Rams. Rams laying six, total of 45. Fezzik and Drew like the Rams, RJ likes the Bears, and Andy likes the Under. Fezzik laid out his case for the Rams on the Dream Preview and Even Money podcasts. He said the Bears have a very misleading 5-1 record, while the Rams are in a bounce-back spot. Monday Night Football with an extra day of rest is a big benefit for them after four road games in the past five weeks, with three of those games taking them to the East Coast. Drew made a similar point in his handicap, and after Fezzik presented this case, RJ hit the green button. He's on the Bears. He said the Rams have faced weak opposition so far, Their best win is against Dallas. That's not so impressive. And while that's true, you've got to also consider the Bears' strength of opposition so far. They were fortunate to beat the Bucks in a game where they were outgained by more than a yard per play at home. And outside of that, they haven't beaten the best teams either. On the Matchbook podcast, Drew laid out his case for the Rams. He expects them to limit Chicago's strength on defense. That's generating pressure on the quarterback by McVay and Goff using their scheme of quick, short passes. Andy on the deep dive said he likes the under 45. Chicago's defense can hold the Rams in check, and he thinks the Bears' offense simply terrible. I'm going to agree with the takes on the Rams here. In addition to what Fezzik and Drew laid out, Chicago's working with a late body clock kickoff, and if the Bears' record matched their true talent, I think this line could be a touchdown if not more. Alright, so we'll break down this week's bets in a moment, but first off, we've made it through the Week 7 board. That means it's time for a beer break. Let's dive into what we're drinking. 
This week's beer worthy of the role of local favorite for betters in Vegas, Atomic Duck IPA by Abel Baker Brewing Company out of Las Vegas, Nevada. Atomic Duck checks in at 7% ABV, and it pours a cloudy yellow orange. There's also some fun, bright can art with this one that matches the appearance of the beer. I'll post a photo on Instagram at Props and Hops so you can take a look. And the aroma and flavor with Atomic Duck, citrusy, tropical, piney, floral, restrained malt backbone. It's got a light body, a smooth mouthfeel. Overall, some really nice flavor without weighing you down. And one factor that makes Atomic Duck extra special in my book, it paired well with a fantastic meal I was fortunate to enjoy recently at Lotus of Siam, which is quite possibly the best restaurant in Vegas. More on Lotus of Siam in a bit when we get to the Malinsky Minute, but first, let's break down what we're betting week seven in the NFL. 60% of the time, it works every time. And as we get into what we're betting, I want to follow up quickly on three lessons from last week. Number one, act fast, but also be patient. This can be a science and an art. On last week's show, I paid for the seven-point teaser with the Patriots and Dolphins. Regardless of the Patriots' loss, that was poor process on my part. Both teams ended up closing in six-point teaser territory, so that New England loss was going to be costly regardless, but it didn't need to be as costly. I think I forced the play a bit after Miami got taken off the board when I was trying to finalize them in a teaser earlier in the week. So yes, we want to act fast when the numbers are there and we're ready to go, but otherwise be patient, try not to get caught in between. Number two, consensus isn't a guarantee. Dallas was a unanimous pick across everybody that I listened to to inform this podcast. We got some good closing line value last week, and that bet was still never close to winning. Just another reminder, it's all about grinding out small edges over time. And third, check the weather. It's that time of year. We had over six and a half touchdowns in the Chiefs-Bills game, and as soon as that one started, I put it on TV. It's a downpour in Buffalo. It felt like that prop never had a chance. So putting this into practice and looking at some bets on the Week 7 board, got a couple sides. First off, going to follow the lead of TA and Fezzik, Browns minus 3. I think that's good up to minus 125, or laying 3.5 at minus 105 or better. This is a pendulum swing in matchups for the Browns, going from a really tough spot against Pittsburgh last weekend to a much better spot against Cincinnati this Sunday. Also looking at the Rams minus 6, following the leads of Fezzik and Drew. I think this one's good up to that number of a flat 6. It's the best scheduling spot in weeks for the Rams, and the matchup helps them neutralize Chicago's fierce pass rush. Looking at one total here as well, following TA's lead on Green Bay-Houston over 57, I make it good just up to that number. It's a high total, but the matchups point to points galore on both sides of the ball Sunday in Houston. Also have a couple of teasers in pocket this weekend. They're largely number grabs, putting the key numbers of 3 and 7 to work. First one, the Lions plus 8, the Saints minus 1.5, and and the second one, the 49ers plus 8, tied to the Chargers minus 1.5. I especially like that San Francisco teaser leg. 49ers at Patriots is the lowest total left on the Week 7 board, and that increases the value we get in crossing through those key numbers 3 and 7. Lastly, putting the props and props and hops, gonna go back to the well with what's been a meal ticket so far this season. Seattle at Arizona, shortest touchdown under one and a half yards. I make that good up to minus 175. In a continuing theme this season, we're seeing a high total here of 56. That means we're likely to see a lot of touchdowns, and that increases the probability of seeing one or more one-yard touchdowns. I especially like this matchup. Arizona's been creative and efficient near the goal line this season. On Monday Night Football, we saw them get two one-yard touchdowns, including 
including a Kyler Murray run. And with both teams here, we have quarterbacks who are a threat to run it in themselves. So we're not just relying on a running back to carry it in or on a passing play from the one. And a rapid fire recap to summarize this week's bets, the sides, Cleveland minus three, Rams minus six, one total, Packers and Texans over 57, two teasers, Lions plus eight tied to the Saints minus one and a half, and 49ers plus eight tied to the Chargers minus one and a half, plus one prop, Seahawks, Cardinals, shortest touchdown, under one and a half yards. And last but certainly not least, the Malinsky Minute. This week's words of wisdom, you get out what you put in. The first time I met Dave was almost exactly five years ago to this day, October 2015. We got lunch in Vegas, and I was a little perplexed because he ordered three entrees and took two of them to go. He explained to me that he didn't leave his house from Friday afternoon until Monday morning during football season, and he was intent on fueling his mind and body while he was also grinding for edges on the betting boards. In fact, Lotus of Siam was Dave's favorite restaurant. It was his go-to for football Fridays. The staff at Lotus of Siam affectionately knew him, as Friday Dave. And as disciplined as Dave was, I think it's also important to note he wasn't robotic. He still understood the importance of treating yourself. He loved pairing food with good beer and wine, and he also ordered dessert with every meal we had together. Beyond food and drink, Dave also put in as much as anyone. We know from a betting standpoint, he was a legend. When it came to reading, he had the biggest Nat Geo collection I've ever seen. He would read Sophocles to unwind at night. He would even weave Shakespeare into his Point Blank column. And beyond reading, there was also music that he'd weave into Point Blank. Bruce Springsteen, a big personal favorite. I also recall him liking artists like Leonard Cohen and Tragically Hip. Dave was also really into nature. He felt a special connection to the Bristlecone Pines. He referred to them as his old friends in high places on Mount Charleston. That's why he lived in Las Vegas, much more so than betting. And most of all with Dave, he put in what it took to have strong relationships with other people. He always seemed to have time and always seemed to be truly present in any encounter. So for all his success and acclaim, it was no accident. If it seems like he had it all, it's because he put in his all. He deserved every good thing he got and then some. And I can't think of a better way to honor his legacy than for us to apply ourselves to the fullest and put in what it takes to get out what we want. Alright, that'll do it for this week's episode of Props and Hops. Thank you so much for listening. If you found any value, please share it with a friend who could benefit as well. One quick note, I had a great time appearing as a guest on the Doggy Juice podcast this week. I connected with Mike to discuss betting, beer, and the legacy of David Malinsky. And if you're interested in sharp information with an analytical approach, I'd highly recommend the Doggy Juice pod. Mike's also an expert when it comes to the evolving legalization efforts surrounding sports betting. If you're interested in hearing our conversation and checking out the rest of this week's episode, I've shared a link on Twitter at mlandis18. Now let's get out there and enjoy week 7 in the NFL. I'll be back at it next Friday for week 8. Until then, let's bet well, let's drink well, and let's be well. Well,